Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on 950 Lounge, CBTV Radio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. I'm over 2020. I'm ready for this to be over. This is preposterous. Um, But we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to get into sporting-wise. We're going to talk about these fans in the stands, these fines that were levied against some NFL coaches, a malpractice suit, I'm thinking, maybe, in the NFL. We're also going to be talking about the Lakers lost one game to the Nuggets. That's okay, um, because that game is going to air tonight if you're listening to me on Thursday. Hopefully, if you're listening to me on Friday or anytime else during the weekend, hopefully we won that game um, because we're doing this just ahead of that game. But we have a lot to talk about. Um, I was going to start a new segment this week called Strictly for My People. I was going to have that at the end of the segment. It was It's just as what it sounds like. It was Strictly for My People. I know I have a lot of um, non-black followers, which is great. Love you guys. Appreciate your support. Um, but I do think that uh, black folks, we need to have more conversations just amongst ourselves. I think it's really important, especially because we're doing the same it seemed like we were getting out of it, but now we're getting right back to the same whole march, crime, praying, rinse and repeat. And I hate that. So I think it's time for us to really have some dialogue just between ourselves. Like I said, I was going to put that at the end of this show, but given what's going on in our society, I don't even know if I'll be able to hold it till then. I don't even know if I'll be able to talk about anything else properly until I get this off my chest. Um, First and foremost, how are you guys doing? Um, To all my black people out there that just kind of, you have to have this understanding now that no matter what happens, no matter how many black lives matter they put on a basketball court or in the end zone, nothing is changing. And I know that has to resonate in all of us in some sort of way. I know it's PTSD for a lot of us. I understand that. So I just want to make sure you guys are okay. Whatever that means, whatever you need to do to be okay, I'm with it. If you want to DM me, believe it or not, I do respond to 90% of my direct messages, especially when it's conversations that are going to help hopefully move us forward in any kind kind of way, shape, or fashion. Even if that means moving you forward individually in your own circumstances, in your own situations, I am here for it. I, I don't know if you guys have picked up yet, but I am literally rooting for everybody black. So feel free to DM me if you want to talk. I've actually picked up the phone and talked to people who seemed like they were going through some stuff and I thought I could help. Like I'm definitely pulling for each and every one of us. And so if there's anything I can do to help, if you just need a shoulder to cry on, or if you have some ideas um, that you want to bounce off me, like I said, I do answer about 90% of my DMs. So just make sure um, you you reach out to me. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That's where I spend the majority of my time at J Ray the Fanatic. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can go ahead and comment below, or you can uh, again DM me. I do respond to all of that. Um, but I so that being said, though, like I said, I know I have a lot of you know non-black listeners and viewers as far as my YouTube channel is concerned, and that's fine. Um, but right now, in this moment. Um, while I appreciate you, especially those of you who are joining in arms with us and getting out there and fighting that fight with us, th- I'm not talking to y'all right now. I, I really am not going to be concerned or moved with anything you have to say right now because I, I definitely want to kind of gauge where we are at as a people to once again understand that in this country, while we have those people who are saying all lives matter, we need to understand that when they say all, they definitely do not mean black. 
And this country has once again taken time to, to prove that to us. Um, if you don't know, um, I know we talked about it last week on this show that the um, Louisville Police Department threw out $12 million to Breonna Taylor's family. Come to find out after they pay lawyers and stuff, that's more going to be more around the $6 million range um, for the life of Breonna Taylor, which I think is such a slap in the face. Um, but if you, like I said, if you don't know, we are in a situation right now where we can say definitively that we are not going to get justice for Breonna Taylor, which is heartbreaking. Um, it's, uh, let me, let me let you guys know this. Let me say this. Let me be clear on this. Um, Again, I want to say thank you if you are still listening to this and, and you are, uh, like I said, one of my non-black listeners. If you are out there in the trenches with us and you are fighting, I appreciate you. If you have a voice and you are using it, especially because I think my audience is predominantly black. Um, some of that is by design. My audience is predominantly black. So I, because I don't think it's my fight. I don't think it's my fight to change the, the minds of white people because I don't believe they can be changed regardless of how you guys feel about that, I just don't believe that. I don't, I, and there's been no evidence to suggest I'm wrong about that. So I don't believe that, but if they can be changed. So again, for those of you who are white or whatever, and you're out there and you're using your platform, your social media, and you're challenging, you know, some of your white friends that think negatively about black people, or they want to say something like, Oh, well, he was a criminal as if, there's not a such thing as white criminals and, and white criminals are brought to, they have a chance for due process more often than black people do. White people don't get 20 to life for nonviolent crimes the way that black people do. If you are white and you are out there and you are trying to educate your white counterparts on those facts, I definitely appreciate you. That is not my fight. If you have taken up that fight, I definitely appreciate you. So I, I definitely want to give honor and praise to you and say from the bottom of my heart, I thank you because I do think we need people to fight on every single front. That's not my front. So if you are fighting on that front, I appreciate you for me personally. And maybe there, maybe this is something we should say, um, because I know this is like, I think it's suicide prevention month, mental health month. One of one of those months, I also know it's Mexican heritage month. So to my Latino, my Latino brothers and sisters out there, I appreciate you. I know we are in this fight together. Um, 100%. So I definitely appreciate you and want to salute you or any person of color. I definitely want to say that I appreciate you as well. But um, if you are white, let me let you know now, there are a lot of people in this world who are like me, who are black and who are very well educated, who read a lot, who try very, very hard to stay well versed on things that are going on in the black community. So while I do appreciate you going out and trying to change the mind, mind of your counterparts, you might need to DM a few people like me if you're a total stranger. I, I only have um, one <laughs> white friend, so and she's about that life. You know what I mean? She's the only friend that I have that doesn't look like me. So you might need to DM a, a, a stranger and just let them know that you're in the fight, because not, not because of any other reason that we might need to hear it, because there I, I don't believe it. I, I think you guys, if you've been with me any uh, length of time, you know that I went out and I did march here in LA and I did not get the sense personally that, um, our white allies were out there for any other reason than a photo op. I did not get that because when the time came to 
step up and stand down. I think that that's what white people need to understand sometimes. Sometimes when we are expressing our anger, our hurt, and our pain, which is something you cannot remotely relate to, even though you have stepped up in that moment, you need to stand down and you need to let us process it. And you can't combat us like that. You just can't. Because it's kind of like I with the um, women who are in abusive situations. I do not understand that. I do not understand why you let a man hit you more than once. And I have had conversations with women who are explaining it to me. And every single part of me wants to be like, are you crazy? That is not. And I want to combat them on what they're saying, but I can't because I don't know what it feels like to walk a mile in their shoes. So it is better for me to listen. And even if I don't understand, do everything I can to empathize. So I would tell you sometimes when you guys are out there and you're in this fight with us and you try to tell us what we need to do next, unless we ask, I'm going to encourage you not to do that. On the flip side, when you see people like me that are saying, Hey, we don't have a lot of white allies, which I definitely mean that, um, maybe, prove yourself to be one, maybe reach out, you know, um, I can't reach out to white folks and try to change their mind because I'm too angry right now. So, and I, and I recognize that in myself, but I do recognize that we need the air force, the, the army and the Marines. So I, I do believe we need people on all front. I'm a Marine, so I'm, I'm a little different, but not in real life y'all mentally, but, um, I just want us as black people to realize that everybody who's out here marching with us is not our friend. Sadly, and this part hurts me to say, sadly, everybody who has the same hue as you is not your friend. My, my grandmother used to always say, you know, black people are like crabs in a barrel. And I used to loathe that saying. It used to infuriate me that she would say that about us. Because basically what she was saying is, as soon as one of us gets high enough, somebody else from the bottom is going to try to pull, pull us down. Someone that looks like me is going to try to pull me down. That used to make me so angry because it implied that we can't lock arms and, and push through together, that we can't lift each other up, that we can't bust down doors together. It used to infuriate me that she said that. But now that I'm older, I think I have a different understanding of that specific phrase. I don't think that she was saying that we don't have the desire to lift each other up, that we don't want to be that one person that goes up high enough and reaches back to get our own. Sure, the desire is there, but when you're talking about a capitalistic society that is based on white supremacy, sometimes there's not enough room. And sometimes when you get in that room, the thought of you reaching back, white folks is going to have you under a microscope. They want to see, that's why Kamala Harris, I am not a fan of Kamala Harris because Kamala Harris said point blank period. She is not going to do things specifically to help black people. And you know why she said that? Because she was she was dancing for white folks. So while I don't like her, and because I would never do that, there is a, a, a group of black people who once they get in the room, they're just hell-bent on staying in the room, even if that means they have to disassociate themselves from being black. So just let that sink in for a minute because that's exactly what the district attorney in Louisville is doing. He is... He is personally making it his mission to let everybody know he's blackish. He is not, he's not black. He does not identify with the African American struggle. He does not. Um, the Louisville uh, district attorney is general district attorney is Daniel Cameron. He is a black Republican. That should tell you all you need to know about this man. But this is the same black Republican who decided to throw an engagement party um, to his then white fiance, now white wife, while we were 
trying to ask for justice for Breonna Taylor. He had several people arrested who came to his house who were peacefully protesting on a public street. He had them arrested. Um, and now he has issued this, this fake, I don't know what the hell you want to call it. It's, it's a, it's a, Hey, we're going to kind of, a, we're going to tell you we've indicted somebody, but it's not a real indictment because it's a fake felony, the felony that only carries five years at best, but he is a white guy. So, you know, he's not going to get any time at all. It's just one of those things. It's like, Hey, maybe this will make you shut up. That's all it is. It's nothing of any, any value. Um, and the guy that he's, he's charged is no longer even a police officer. So he, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is making me so angry. He decided that, um, St. John, what's his name? Sergeant John Mattingly and detective Miles Cosgrove. Now Miles Cosgrove, it's his gun that is believed that fired the shots that killed Breonna Taylor. But here's what, here's what we do know. We do know that these officers did not wear body cams. We do know that, um, they were in plain clothes and we know that they did not identify themselves as police officers when they, how, first of all, how you won't have time to bust in somebody's door. And even if you did say police, police, all I've heard is my door bust wide open and people that look like they are there to rob me are busting in. And then he, um, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, fired shots. So <laughs> our deputy um, attorney general out here decides that because Kenneth Walker fired first, that the officers were justified in using deadly force. This is what he is saying. Um, he's once again refused to hold law enforcement accountable for killing someone black. And he has blatantly said, please don't consider this situation like situations around the country. How sway, how are we not going to consider this the same? Because technically this is worse. This is worse because we are used to white people letting white people getting away with murdering us. You are literally helping white people get away with murder us, murdering us. How is this not the same, dare I say, worse? This is such a slap in the face. Um, he, there's a, they issued a 9 p.m. curfew on uh, Wednesday. They issued that, that curfew around, I, I think it was like 1 o'clock. By 2.30, y'all, they were arresting protesters. That is hours before the protest was supposed to start. And the protest at that point was supposed to be peaceful. Now, let me tell you all this. Last week, um, you, you white counterparts who are not my allies came on my YouTube page and you got mad at me because I said, um, Sheriff Villanueva here in LA was batshit crazy for asking LeBron James to match a donation to help catch the, the people who shot and killed um, or they didn't even kill him. That's the thing. Lord have mercy. I'm so used to saying shot and killed when we're, when we're referring to black people and their interaction with officers that I forgot that these people are still alive, alive and well. So whoever shot these officers, he asked LeBron for a donation to help find them. Why? Where is the, where is the help to try to bring our killers to justice? These uh, half of our killers are still employed and, got paid leave, which is just a paid vacation. How dare you have the mitigated gall to ask for something like that? And white folks was mad when I said that, that how dare you do that? So let me double down and say that again, especially since I'm gonna post this one on my YouTube again and piss y'all off again, because I'm still pissed off that this man asked that and that y'all are co-sign on it. This is just, oh Jesus, it blows my mind that you would ask that. And then I got the direct messages. And that's why I try to tell y'all at the top of this, if, if, 
have a picture, y'all. If y'all do direct message me, I'm 100% accurate in what I'm telling you. I will respond, but have a picture because I'm not responding to nobody that don't have the same hue as me this week. I'm not doing it. But then I start getting these direct messages that say, I am calling for people to shoot at cops. Please check the tapes. That video is still up. I think it says something to the effect of Villanueva done lost his damn mind or something like that. Check the video. It's probably the last video that I posted. That's not what I said. What I said was anytime you have, anytime you do something, when you have um, an action, there's always an equal or, or negative reaction, always. And you can't keep doing unto people the way you are doing unto us and not have us get tired. You just can't do it. So if you don't want people to shoot at officers, you need to have immediate reform, not no, let's, let's do this for another 50 years, 50, another hundred years. No, I'm, I'm done marching. You know what I'm saying? So now people who like me who are having children, them kids is not about to march. <laughs> they about to be about that life. So if you don't want it to be about that life, you need to change who you are as a society, right? I'm going to tell you this, these, these protests in Louisville are about to get ugly and they should. Y'all can take that how you want to take that. Those protests in that, in that county where they have publicly, politically, and repeatedly said they do not give a damn about people who look like me, that, that city should implode. And I'm here for it. And I'm going to tell you something else. I've said this numerous times. You can take this how you want. That's the cool thing about having your own show, right? Like, y'all can get mad, but you can't stop the show. <laughs> so... You cannot expect real change. Now, again, once again, this is for my people. I'm not talking to anybody who don't have a similar hue to me. We cannot expect change to happen in this country ever. There's literally for me a period at the end of that sentence. There is a however, comma, however, comma, if you are willing to blow up the foundation, because let's not forget that this country was founded on racism genocide and terrorism. Let's not forget that. That's what we are founded on. So you can't expect this house not to be shaky when the foundation is faulty. So unless we blow up the foundation, we should never expect change. So if it starts in Kentucky and it continues nationwide, there's the greenery that grows after a fire is always lush. It's always beautiful. Um, look at, uh, what is it? Chernobyl. In Chernobyl, after that nuclear event, which people left, there's wildlife there that they once thought was extinct. Sometimes the fire is what you need. I think the fire is what we as a nation need. Take it how you want. I'm not advocating violence. I'm saying when you continue to do violent unto others, what you shouldn't do is expect peace. That's what I'm saying. So again, Connect with me on social media at jraythefanatic. Let me know what you think. When we come back, we're going to get into some sports, y'all. We're going to talk about football and injuries. Oh, my. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Because calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest in your school. Be the fastest ever. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. 
Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football, play. And if you're a girl from Compton, become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back again to At The Half with the girl, Jackie Ray, right here on CBTV Radio 950 Lounge, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow me on all things social media at jraythefanatic. How y'all doing on your football fantasies? Are you doing good on fantasy football, your your football pick-ems? I'm doing all right on my pick-ems. Um, not doing so good on my fantasy because these injuries, man, blew up my whole fantasy Football, I can't even, I'm so, so bewildered by that. But we're going to get into that in a minute. I wanted to talk really quickly. I don't know if you guys know anything about Jerry's World, if you've been to Jerry's World. um, It is a sight to behold. It is an amazing, um, it is literally, it's like a seventh, well, no, technically it would be the eighth. It can't be the seventh. It would have to be the eighth wonder of the world when it, like, it's probably the, it's probably the wonder of the world um, as far as sports goes. You know what I mean? So it is beautiful. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend you you at some point make it out to uh, Jerry's World and check it out. It's a beautiful place to be. Don't do it now, though. Can I just say that? Don't do it right now. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. I'll, I'll co-sign. Um that we are at the end of it. We're definitely at the end uh, of of the, the pandemic, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we don't see any any new spikes or anything like that. So I definitely think we're at the end of it. So I'm not I'm not entirely mad at people kind of letting down their guard a little bit uh with regards to the pandemic. However, um Texas had two thousand deaths on Sunday, the day of the the season opener in Dallas, there were 2000 deaths in that city. Um, I forget how many confirmed new cases they had. Um, it equates to right, right around 1%, one to 2% of the population there. So it's, the numbers aren't astronomically high when you consider the number of people there, but here's where things get crazy for me. Jerry's world holds 80 thousand people as far as seating room they do have standing room only sections um and those when you add those to the number it's a hundred and five thousand people that can fit into the stadium jerry wanted to be at 62 percent capacity not just of seating 62 percent capacity for the entire stadium that included standing room only seats so he wanted to be right just a little just just a little north of fifty thousand people in the stands which seemed asinine to me, but he got the governor's blessing. That's the thing. He got the governor's blessing to do this. We here in LA, we have this state of the art stadium in SoFi, but we can't even get into it. We can't even get into it, but I, because our governor here is like, oh, now nah. we had that one, one spike. We ain't, you crazy? We're not doing that. Y'all can watch it from home. Look here, they didn't even let us tailgate. I thought they were going to at least let us tailgate, but they were like, nope, 
bars out here you can't get into unless they do outdoor seating and then it's limited right so those of us who are in meetups i know uh my friend robert has a cowboy meetup i just found uh last season i found a new orleans saints meetup i was excited and eager to go to that this year nope can't do that so there's no real place for you to watch it as a fan outside of your home. And if you don't have the ticket, you can't watch every single game. It, this is preposterous. So let me just say that I fully understand fans that are like, oh, no, nah, I'm just going to have to risk it. I'm just going to have to go because watching the games with your friends and foes even, it's just an experience. And I definitely miss it. I don't miss it enough to be in the stands with 50,000 people. But here's the thing. Jerry Jones didn't get 50,000 people because these season ticket holders crashed the internet. <laughs> they, so on these singles, these one seat or uh, single game tickets, the season ticket holders got first crack. They crashed the internet so they couldn't get it back up in time. So ticket sales became difficult. But even through that difficulty, they had 21,708 people in the stands. Why do I remember that number off the top of my head? I don't know. Maybe because it's terrifying to me that there was that many people that are saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to risk it. And if you look at the pictures, there wasn't that many people that were actually wearing a mask. Even, they had cheerleaders in there. What could you possibly need a cheerleader for in the middle of a pandemic? And then they do their little head flips and their little mask fall off. Nobody was wearing their mask, right? It was ridiculous. On top of that, the concession stands were open. On top of that, they had tailgating. I have a, a friend. Well, I don't want to say friend because I friend literally means family with me. I have an associate who um, his father-in-law just passed away from the coronavirus. They think he got it from a quinceanera or something that they had um, like a month ago. This is people that they know. You think I'm about to go out here? Uh-uh, stop it. I'm not about to. When, we, when I go out, and I do go out, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you know I, I, can't, I, I can't just sit in the house, y'all. I did it solid. I was in the house from the lockdown on March 11th, and I did not emerge until May. I literally, I Instacarted everything. I'd had everything sent to me. I would walk down. I was still working, but I worked the majority from home. And then I have another office that's just right literally down the way. It's walking distance. And I, I didn't do anything. I didn't have any social interaction from March 11th to May 10th was when I got out of the house, aside from Nick Hamilton coming here so we could record the Opposite Reaction podcast, which after you listen to this one, you should go ahead and venture over to Dash Talk Radio, Dash Talk X to check that one out. Uh, but aside from him coming here to record that podcast, and it was still here. He still came. I'm in my, I record in my home. Yes, I have this whole studio set up, but no. I mean, and it's one of those things where it's a benefit to set it up as a live workspace. But let me tell you, I understand wanting to get out, but not I like, look, we don't even know the long-term effects of the coronavirus. We know that the CDC has said that they for sure know that it's going to cause long-term respiratory issues. It's going to cause long-term heart issues. Um, and now they're saying that it could cause long-term cognitive issues. Uh, look, I would rather kind of forget how Drew Brees looked on Sunday against the Raiders. Not The Raiders aren't even a real team. They're not even the, the California... Oakland or LA Raiders. There's the Las Vegas. That's not even a real team. And we got beat by a fake ass team. So yeah, the cognitive thing, I would not mind forgetting that, but on my own accord, I don't want to forget it because I don't went to 
to Jerry's world and I'm hanging around a bunch of people who don't wear their mask anyway. And now they got the coronavirus. So here's the thing. Kansas City had a fan that did test positive for the coronavirus. The Chiefs had to trace that person all throughout the stadium. Best they can tell, that person did wear a mask all the time with every interaction. If somebody in the in Jerry's world tests positive for the coronavirus, I can tell you right now a whole bunch of people was exposed. Because I would say probably one out of every seven people in that stadium were wearing their mask. And even the ones who were wearing their mask, they weren't wearing it properly. So I don't know, man. I You guys let me know. Again, y'all know I respond to, to DMs and uh, comments and messages. Let me know. Is it worth it to you? Because Cowboy fans, more than any other franchise in the league, will travel. So I would bet my last dollar that at least half of those fans, half of those 21,000 people were not actually from Dallas. And if they were exposed to the coronavirus, they're going to take it back to wherever they're from. It's not worth it to me. It is not worth it to me. I'm glad I do not know anybody that was in that stand. Again, I'm a co-sign on every single person who wants to be in a stand. I'm cool with the Browns. That big-ass stadium only had 6,000 people in it. That makes sense to me because we could spread out, run amok. It works, you know? But, ooh, I don't know. That's a lot of people. You guys let me know what you think about that. But while we are dealing with this, uh, there's real injuries that are happening in the NFL. Tyrod Taylor. Now, if you guys saw Sunday's game... Tyrod Taylor had an unexplained, we didn't know what it was. I think myself personally, I thought that maybe, you know, there was a, you know, some, some horse play during a warm up, or maybe they were doing like a soft tackle or whatever. And somebody hit him in the chest. Maybe that caused something weird for him. That could not be further from the truth. Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured by the team doctor. And I bet on the Chargers to win that game. And, and they might have won that game if this – what? I need answers. How do you an accidentally puncture a lung before kickoff? And I can almost see – this is going to sound so bad. I think I've been watching Tom Brady and the New England Patriots too long. But I, in my head, I'm like, okay, was it the Chiefs doctor? Because what the hell? Why, why – I've never heard of this. I have, I came out the womb watching football. I have never heard of a lung getting punctured by a coach. So he apparently wanted a painkiller for, um, we know he cracked his ribs. So he just kind of wanted an injection to help him with that pain a little bit. And that went awry. This is like one of them crazy side effects that you just do not want to hear about. Like, you know, when you're watching the TV and they name all these side effects, doctor might not know what he's doing and puncture you in the lung. That I'm going to opt out. Give me some Advil. <laughs> just, this is crazy. We had so many injuries. Um, the 49ers, damn near they whole squad, including Jimmy Garoppolo is out. Um, we have Saquon was out. Michael Thomas from my saints is out. G do yourself a favor. Go to ESPN.com. Look at NFL injuries. And it is a huge list of people. I know Paris is out. Paris Campbell is out. Um, Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills. I know he 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 at least practiced on Wednesday. Oh, but then we're gonna talk about that a little later. Let me let me go to break so I can come back and I can talk to you about this thing that's slightly infuriating to me. And it's not even the way that you think. So let me just tease it for you really quick. The Broncos went dumpster diving for a new quarterback because their quarterback, Locke, also has a so shoulder injury and they needed somebody to come 
helped them in their organization. They went dumpster diving to get it. And y'all are mad. I'm going to let you know after the break whether I think that anger is justified because y'all know I stay mad. But I'm going to let you know if that anger is justified right after break. Stay with me. I'm right here on 950 Lounge CBTV Radio. I'll be right back. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that capture the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? There were no more humble beginnings. All right, you guys, we are in the home stretch. Thank you so much for joining me once again here on 950 Lounge CBTV Radio and wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, like I said, I promise I will respond if you direct message me. So go ahead and venture on over to Twitter or Instagram at JRayTheFanatic. I have a TikTok, but I've literally only created one little thingy on it like once i find out china was involved i was out so but you know i'm sure i'll get the notification if you 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 direct message me there but so we kind of touched on it a little bit on the last segment but this i just want to spend a quick second talking about the denver broncos i almost said nuggets because let me digress for one second and say i knew we were gonna get a gentleman sweep like i said with the lakers so hopefully uh Hopefully it doesn't end up like that because, like I said, we're doing this right before uh, the Laker game. But, yeah, I I see you, Denver, my hometown. Shouts out to Jamal Murray and Joker out there looking like a whole dynamic duo. Appreciate y'all. I do. I got nothing but love for you guys. I just want that love to be from afar as we go into the finals. (laughs) But, anyway, so the Denver Broncos. Now, look, um, their draft pick, Drew Locke, is out with a shoulder injury. Um. If you know anything about John Elway, you know that he is only in his entire career um, with the Denver Broncos, not as a quarterback, but running that organization. He has literally only made one good quarterback decision, and that was with Peyton Manning. And even then, that was a risk because Peyton Manning had that neck injury, and who knew? Like His doctors were telling him he was one hit away from being paralyzed for the rest of his life. Nevertheless, he wanted to play. I respect that. Um but, you know, there there it is. So he got lucky with that one. I don't want to say he got lucky. Peyton Manning definitely had that heart, but still, it was crazy. But so he, John Elway, who's in need of a quarterback, decides to go dumpster diving. Now, I know people got mad at me when I said that on the fumble, but that's exactly what it is. Blake Bortles is the bottom, 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 bottom of a barrel. You, there, there are literally, you could go, I think Alex Smith is sitting third string right now. I'm not a huge Alex Smith fan, but I'm sure you could, you could have probably negotiated something to get him. I'm sure there's somebody on your practice squad right now that is going to be a little bit more efficient and that would do better just because they had the shot than Blake Bortles. It is insane to me when you consider the pool that John Elway could have potentially pulled from. The only thing 
that is a little bit more crazy to me is everyone saying that John Elway could have gone and signed Colin Kaepernick. I know this might be a surprise to you guys because you guys know that I ride with Colin Kaepernick so tough, and I do. And I definitely think that if he wants to play, he deserves a job, certainly more so than Blake Bortles. Um, But I'm not certain, and I've said this before, I am not certain that Colin Kaepernick wants to play. That's number one. Number two, I am from Denver. Now, John Elway will tell you that he didn't really believe that Colin Kaepernick had a justifiable collusion case because he offered uh, Colin Kaepernick a contract right when he became a free agency, not once we started seeing that people were colluding against him, right when he went into free agency, right when uh, his relationship with the San Francisco 49ers came to an end. So that was early on in his in his free agency, right? So there's a couple of things that I can't, reasons why I can't give John Elway credit for offering Colin Kaepernick a job at that time. Number one, the offer was bogus. Um, Colin Kaepernick was set to make $11.9 million at that time. John Elway only offered him seven. Now, hindsight is 2020. I would imagine, I would bet my last dollar, I would love to hear from him, but you know, the thing is, in typical Colin Kaepernick fashion, we don't know because he doesn't talk enough. He's not vocal enough. But if I had to guess, I would bet that he had no idea how deep the racism in the league ran. I think that once he started his protest, that protest was for external issues. That protest were for things that lied beyond the NFL. He wasn't addressing the fact that the NFL itself has a racial discrimination problem. He was not addressing that. He was specifically addressing how the justice system and law enforcement deal with black people. So somehow, I believe there was a disconnect. Somehow, I don't think he got it that, oh, I'm, I'm protesting things that affect my people outside of the NFL, which is really going to piss off these old white dudes in the NFL. And I don't think that he thought that the racism in the NFL was so deep that it would keep him out of a job when he was definitely better than an abundance of quarterbacks at that time. So I don't think he really thought that. So perhaps if hindsight was 2020, perhaps he would have taken the job with the Broncos at that time, but I'm glad that he didn't. I don't, I look, I'm from Denver. I said it time and time again, it ain't the spot. (laughs) So I'm just going to leave it at that. That's especially for somebody who's trying to push for social change and, and call out racism when they see it. Denver is more of a, let's just overlook that. Let's just not say anything about that. Let's just pretend city. So it just wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone over well for him. Um, so, so that's number one. Number two, um, John Elway had said several times that he was never going to offer Cap a new contract when he turned down his old contract. So John Elway is very adamant about that. There's nothing about John Elway, and I have met him on um, three different occasions. There's nothing about John Elway that tells me that he does not, uh, he's not best buddies with Trump as well. We know Jerry Jones is. We know Jerry Jones is racist as hell. We know Drew Brees is. We know the racist stuff that Drew Brees has said. Uh, we know Tom Brady is. We know the racist um, positions Tom Brady has taken. So birds of a feather flock together. So uh, I don't. I, knew, I think John Elway knew specifically what he was doing when he was offering Colin Kaepernick that contract then. Um, he knew it was bogus. That being said, uh, Colin Kaepernick had that workout in November, 
right? I applauded him. I know a lot of people didn't. I applauded him for the way that he handled that, that workout. We knew that media wasn't really going to get access to the workout that the NFL put in place for him. So him moving it to have it on his terms, I was a fan of that. What I wasn't a fan of is that he moved it so media could be present and he only issued one statement and his statement, I'm going to read to you because I just so happen to have it. Um, he says, we're waiting for 32 owners, 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running, stop running from the truth, stop running from pe from the people. We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally is ready to talk to any team. I'll interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready and I'll continue to be ready. So there's, there's some specific problems I have with this, this statement. Number one, it was the only statement he issued. He did not take any questions. Number two, he says, you, you want the NFL to stop running from the truth. That statement is factual. Yes, the NFL was running from the truth. They flat out lying on you and Eric Reed. But if you call them out, I don't know what country you think we live in. When's the last time we as a people have called out white folks for anything and they responded positively to that? I wait, but I don't want dead space on this show, so I'm just going to continue. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. You literally just call them out and now expect them to offer you a job. I am about that life. I am Malcolmina X. So yes, I understand not having that stand down gene in your, in your blood. I get that. I don't necessarily get wanting to work for an organization that did you the way that the NFL gets, did Colin Kaepernick. But I also understand that if football is your passion, the XFL wasn't around at the time, Canadian football, stop it. So I get that this is your only option. So I understand that. Um, but I don't understand the whole, we, we are ready to play. I'm sure he's talking about Jeff Neely, but you need to say, I, he said, we are ready to play. I needed to hear him say, I am ready to play. I would love to play for, if he really wants to be petty, I would love to hear him, see him go onto his Twitter, which he didn't. I went on his Twitter right before this show and to see if maybe he channeled his inner petty. I would have added John Elway, added the Denver Broncos, and I would have said, hey, let's let bygones be bygones. Let's forget that old contract. Let's see if we can get this new contract underway and get the Denver Broncos back to the place that they're supposed to be. If I really wanted to play, because closed mouth don't get fed, right? The reason why we know AB, does Brian want to play? Because they keep telling us. They tell us all the time. So I'm not... I haven't seen that from Cap. There was a time where we did see him doing workout after workout, but I don't even see that from him anymore. So can we please, until Cap, until Colin Kaepernick says to us, yes, I want to play, even though I am four years removed from the league, and they used my likeness in an anti-discrimination, uh, <laughs> this, this is maddening. They used his likeness in an anti-discrimination, anti-racism campaign without even talking to him I, the, I there's no way in hell I would work for an organization like that so I need Colin Kaepernick if he really wants to work for the NFL I need him to sit in front of a camera and explicitly say the road that we've had the relationship that we've had has been bumpy it's been rocky there's a, a huge amount of distress on both sides 
That being said, I would like to work to help the NFL move into a new era that they can be the example of how to end racism from within. And I would like to be a part of that while playing on the field. I want to play again in the NFL. I swear I should be somebody's Olivia Pope because that's like perfect. Say that. And then I'll come ride with you, Cap. Then I'll come co-sign on you getting back into the NFL. But until I hear him say specifically and explicitly that he wants to play, I just want, I just want to stop hearing about people playing, him playing in the NFL. I'm, I'm sorry, and I don't mean that negatively because you guys know I ride with some Colin Kaepernick, but this is, this is annoying. Let's move on to these fines. Now, if you don't know, the NFL issued several fines, including to my head coach, Sean Payton, John Gruden, um, Pete Carroll. Uh, I forget the other coaches that got uh, fines, but they were each fined $100,000. Their organizations were fined $250,000. So the NFL has already collected about a million dollars in fines because of this mass situation. Let me just go on record and say, yes, this is a rule. The NFL did implement this rule. This is something that they're supposed to do whenever they can pull their mask down when they're giving calls, but it's supposed to go right back up, kind of like when we do when we are out at the store. We take it down to do our face ID so we could do our um, Apple Pay, and then we put it right back up, or at least I do. I don't know about the rest of y'all. But that's the rule for them. So I understand that it is a rule. It is a, a rule in place. If you don't want to get fined, follow the rules, okay? Just said that to get it out the way. So now I can say this. This is the dumbest rule that the NFL has. I don't want to say to date because the NFL does a lot of stupid stuff. But literally everybody in the NFL has been tested. If you are on that sideline, then you have been tested and they have confirmed that you do not have coronavirus. They have tested a lot. They, have, they are testing often. So... The sideline, now maybe not in the stands, especially in Jerry's world when everybody and their damn mama's back there. But this, and so maybe have some plexiglass if you're gonna have all them people. Cause you know, them people, especially when they get drunk, they, and people spit when they talk. So maybe put like a plexiglass up or something. But aside from any exposure to the fans, this sideline should be one of the safest places to be in the stadium because everybody there, including the refs, sideline judges, uh, the, the first down chain holders, who else is out there? The water boy, uh, the towel boy, the camera guy, the photographers, the reporters. Everybody out there has tested, has been tested for the coronavirus. Why? Y'all saw what happened to Andy Reid in that foggy mask, and he just wore a face shield. That man is breathing hard. But come on, man. Why? If we've all been tested, if we're all clear, why do I have to wear the mask. I'm not anti-mask, people. If y'all see me out and about, you know I wear my mask all the time. I'm just saying, in this specific incident, instance, this is stupid. This is dumb. I, I, and you know what else I want to know? Where does this fine money go? I know where it's, it's supposed to go to Cherry, but it's never been specific. I need to see where this fine money goes now that you're using Colin Kaepernick's likeness in an anti-discrimination, anti-racism ad, and you talk about you giving to the inner city. Where? Where's this money going? I need answers. Let me know if you need answers too. Once again, I'm your girl, Jackie Ray. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for this 
45 minutes right here on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram right now and follow me. And then send me a message. Let me know what you liked, did not like about this show. Again, reach out if you need, if you are struggling and you just want to talk, you want to bounce some ideas off. I'm telling you right now, I'm rooting for everybody black. I'll definitely respond. I'll respond to you if you're not black, especially if you if you want to engage in some beef. I always got time. <laughs> I will make time. But uh, hit up your girl at J Ray the Fanatic. I'll see you guys next week. Stay safe. <laughs>